Good evening, everyone. It's been a wild couple of weeks in the news in our country, wild times, storming of the Capitol building, thousands of people dying from a rampant pandemic. Today, the inauguration of new president, vice president administration. It's been a wild time and a lot of news. So what I'm going to speak to you about tonight is a monk that lived in eastern Egypt 1,700 years ago. Actually, it's exactly what we need for this time. Exactly what we need. So let me tell you about St. Anthony the Great. And the reason I'm telling you about St. Anthony the Great is I really do believe that we can learn great lessons from his life that we can apply now to our lives, but also because his feast day was just on, would have been on Sunday, but of course Sunday takes precedence over any saint's day. So the feast of St. Anthony Abbot, known as Anthony Abbot in the Western Church, in the Eastern Church he's known as Anthony the Great, or the father of monks. His feast day was January 17th, this last Sunday. Now, we know about the life of St. Anthony. I'm going to share with you about his life and some lessons we can learn from his life. Uh, we know about the life of St. Anthony from the great Athanasius, the great archbishop and um, the, uh, the great teacher and archbishop and patriarch of um, Alexandria, that great doctor of the church whose title was the champion of orthodoxy. He was the great champion of orthodoxy at the great ecumenical council, the first ecumenical council at Nicaea in 325, the Arians were denying the divinity of Christ. And St. Athanasius, along with the other fathers, gathered in Nicaea in present-day Turkey and championed the true doctrine of the church, which, of course, that the Son is consubstantial with the Father, that Jesus was God along with the Father. Well, we know the life of St. Anthony the Desert because St. Athanasius, who knew him personally, wrote his life, right? So we have this great book, The Life of St. Anthony by Athanasius. And he says, I derive real profit and help from the mere recollection of Anthony. You also, once you have heard the story, will not merely admire the man, but will wish to emulate his resolution as well. That's what St. Athanasius says. You'll not only admire him, but you'll want to be like him. You want to follow his example. This is what the saints do for us. And the saints do three things for us fundamentally. They lead us by their example, by their actions, they teach us by their words, and they continue to watch over and intercede for us as our heavenly friends. <clears throat> Excuse me, Anthony was born in about 250, the year 250, in Middle Egypt uh, from a very wealthy family. They were big landowners, but he was 18 when his parents both died, and they left everything to him. Soon after that, he was in church, and he heard the gospel of the rich young man, Matthew 19, 21, quote, if you wish to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. He then distributed all of his parents' lands and possessions. He set up his sister in a convent, and he devoted himself to the solitary ascetic life of prayer and fasting and manual labor. In the beginning, he was sort of near town, but after a while he realized he needed to fight the demons even more and devote himself to greater solitude, so he set out into the eastern Egyptian desert. So the, Egypt, as you know, is in northeast Africa, and it's mostly desert, but the lifeline of Egypt, of course, is the Nile. And the eastern desert is between the Nile and east toward the Red Sea. As a matter of fact, where St. Anthony ended up 
what he decided to do was head into solitude in the eastern desert. So he headed east and he found a place where there was actually a spring, a spring to the, which, which to this day produces 100 cubic meters of water. That's a lot of water, right? So he found this spring and he decided to go up on the mountain above the spring and live in a cave and a ledge above the spring where he could get water. And from the ledge, from that cave, which is not visible from down below, so no one would know that he was up there, he wanted absolute and total solitude, he could see you have a vision of the Red Sea. As a matter of fact, I've been truly blessed to have been able to go to that spot. I may be the only person you ever meet who's actually been to the cave and monastery of St. Anthony, the oldest monastery in the world. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But if you ever get a chance and you're up for some adventure and spiritual adventure, the monastery of St. Anthony and his cave in the eastern Egyptian desert is a place to go, let me tell you. Maybe we'll try to, once this all ends, maybe we'll lead a parish wild pilgrimage there. What do you think? So he set off into the desert, and he spent 35 years of solitude. But, of course, somehow people sought him out. They already knew his reputation for holiness before he set into the desert, and others sought him out, and they found where he was. And so they started settling at the bottom of the mountain. He was up on this ledge, and this ledge and this, uh, and this cave, and there was the spring below. So people gathered below. They wanted to emulate his holy life. They wanted to learn from him and to follow his example. So they sort of formed a community. Now up to this point, and we're talking about almost 300 AD, uh, people, there were thousands of anchorites, that is solitary monks, known as anchorites throughout the deserts of Egypt, of present-day Israel and Palestine and, and Jordan in the ancient Near East, right? But only here at the foot of the uh, mountain where St. Anthony was, for the first time, did they gather to start what is called not the anchoritic life of solitary monks, but the cenobitic life, that is, of monks who live in a community in a monastery. And this is the origin of the first monastery in the history of the church, which to this day is, still has monks. It's the monastery of St. Anthony in the eastern desert of Egypt. And that's why St. Anthony is also known as the father of monks, because he really became the first and he's known in our calendar as St. Anthony Abbot. That is the first abbot or superior of the first monastery of monks. He's a great master of the spiritual life, taught the discernment of spirits, and teaches us how to fight demons. Remember, the three enemies of our, of our human nature are the world, the flesh, and the devil. And of course, they're all kind of tag team against us. And uh, we know about this because we have the life of St. Anthony by St. Athanasius, who knew him well. And I really recommend it to your spiritual reading. You put that, you can have it, you know, Amazon to you. I don't get a, I don't get a 10% from Amazon for saying that, but you can Amazon it to you in two days. It's an awesome, awesome, it's one of my 10 desert island uh, books that I would take uh, for spiritual reading. It's The Life of St. Anthony by St. Athanasius. Now, he only left his cave in the desert twice. He went down at 311 because he heard there was a persecution going on and they were killing uh, Christians and he wanted martyrdom, but he didn't get the grace of martyrdom. So he resolved to be a daily martyr. The church makes the distinction in its spiritual tradition between red martyrdom and white martyrdom. Red martyrdom, of course, being the martyrdom of blood when you're actually killed for hatred of the faith. But white martyrdom is hopefully what a lot of us do, which is kind of that offering up and dying to self and dying for the Lord to self every day in the ordinary circumstances of daily life. So he resolved during that persecution, since he wasn't martyred, that he would be a daily martyr for the Lord. The other time he left was in 338, after the Council of Nicaea, he went down to Alexandria in northern Egypt to um, support St. Athanasius in his fight against the Arian heretics. And uh, the Arian heretics were known as the Christ fighters. Uh, 
So again, Athanasius was the champion of orthodoxy against the Christ fighters. Pretty good battle to wage, right? St. Anthony the Abbot died in the year 356 at the age of 105. So you see the ascetic living in the desert is really, really good for us, really healthy. So lessons we can learn from the life of St. Anthony, I got uh, five lessons for you. First lesson is listen to God as he speaks to you through his inspired word. You heard how I said when he was 18 after his parents died, he was orphaned and he had that great fortune. He was in church and he heard the gospel and the gospel moved him to really transform his life and dedicate it completely to the Lord and give up everything that he had. Throughout the history of the church, throughout the history of the church, in the lives of the saints, you see repeatedly that all it took at times was one word from Scripture, them really being attentive to God's word and hearing that him speak to them through his word that set them off on their way. Same thing with St. Francis of Assisi and many other saints, right? So lesson number one is listen to God as he speaks to you through his inspired word. Anthony was set in motion to a life of perfection in response to God's word to him. And he spent the rest of his life principally nourished by the word. Anthony was not a priest. He was not a priest. He dedicated his life completely to service of the Lord in prayer and fasting in a cave in the middle of nowhere in the eastern desert of Egypt. And as he said, quote, the scriptures are really sufficient for our instruction, unquote. He wasn't nourished regularly on the Eucharist until they started the monastery and there were priests there, but he was nourished by the word. God does speak to us through the word. Remember, when we read sacred scripture, we're not just kind of reading and recalling, you know, cool things that happened 4,000 to 2,000 years ago. God still speaks to us through his word. It's a little, he is the word. The pages on the, the, the words on the book are just, are just a vehicle for us to hear him speak to us. He is the word. But in able to hear him, we have to take time to listen in silent meditation. And that's why I say the life of St. Anthony is a great antidote and a great lesson for our times and for these days, right? We need in the, in the, in the cacophony of noise and protests and differing opinions, we need to be alone in silence with the Lord and listen to his word, listen to him speak. If we can take time to stream all kinds of things on Netflix or Hulu or Disney Plus or however, I mean, how many thousands of streaming services are there now? How can you, how many can you, if you want to hit every show, you got to, you got to subscribe now to like five different services, right? And we have, we're, we're constantly on our screens, right? Whether it's our laptops or our desktops or our, tablets or our phones and we're streaming and we're on the internet and we're, we're answering emails and we're watching YouTube and we're texting and we, we're, we're constantly listening and being bombarded by all these stimuli. How much time do we take in silence to listen to the Lord speak to us through his word? Lesson number one, listen to God as he speaks to you through his inspired word. It sets St. Anthony on a way of extraordinary holiness. Lesson number two, if you wish to be holy, hang out with and learn from holy people. Exactly what we're doing here tonight. It's a shame that our P3 is now just P2, that we don't have the pub time, we can't gather together because of the, the pandemic. Actually, it's still P3 because prayer, penance, and plenty, right? Um, but uh, hopefully the day will come when we can actually hang out with one another again. Lesson number two, if you wish to be holy, hang out with and learn from holy people. St. Anthony first learned the ascetical life from the other ascetics, from these other anchorites, that is these single sort of, these monks that lived alone, uh, not really monks, but yeah, solitary monks. And he learned from their example. 
And uh, what he said was, in one and all alike, this is St. Athanasius writing about St. Anthony, in one and all alike, he marked especially devotion to Christ and the love they had for one another. Right? What he saw in these monks was how much they loved Jesus and how much they loved one another. And the monks who hung out with St. Anthony, then who gathered and formed that first monastery at the foot of the mountain where he had his, his cave, they quote, according to St. Athanasius, now think about this, they called him, they called him God's friend and they were fond of him as a son or as a brother. How cool would that be if people referred to us and they said, you know what, Joe is really God's friend, right? I mean, they saw, that, they saw that he was God's friend, so they enjoyed keeping company. They were fond of him in their community, right? If you wanna be holy, hang out with and learn from people that are holy. Surround yourself with people who put Jesus first who are serious about their Christian lives, who want to be holy more than anything else. Conversely, of course, if you don't want to be holy, hang out with people who support and encourage you to sin, right? If you're spending time with people whose main priorities are in temp being intemperate with food and drink, you'll be a glutton and a drunkard. If you're in relationships with people who don't believe in chastity, you'll be unchaste. Uh, if you hang out with people who love money and possessions, you'll be fixed on worldly things and not be generous. The company you keep is so important. Peer pressure is a real thing, whether it's good peer pressure or bad peer pressure. Lesson number two, if you wish to be holy, hang out with and learn from holy people. Lesson number three, Jesus calls us to a radical way of life, and it's possible to live radically if we're rooted in Jesus. Of course, the word radical is a Latin word. It comes from the Latin word for root, radix, living, going back to the roots, right? We can live radical spiritual lives by putting Jesus first in prayer. And this goes, of course, along with that silent listening to his word. Anthony was a contemplative. He lived alone in a cave in the middle of the desert. And if we have time at the end, I'll tell you about one of the greatest graces of my life, which I received on that ledge in front of that cave in the top of the middle of nowhere in the middle of the eastern desert of Egypt. Anthony was a contemplative. He basically lived alone for the vast majority of his life, and he basically said prayers and wove baskets. That's what he did, right? But he, he balanced his contemplative life with that active work. He did weave baskets, and he did uh, go down the mountain to where the little... Uh, the little uh, oasis was with the spring and with the palms and get the dates and eat the dates. He had to have a little food, right? And make some bread, right? So Anthony was contemplative, but he balanced it with the active life. The trick for us to be really radical in our spiritual lives is to balance our active lives with serious contemplative lives. And that means serious quality time with Jesus every day. If you've ever heard me give a P3 talk before, you might've heard me say, that what separates the men from the boys and the women from the girls in the spiritual life, what really radicalizes us, which really roots us in Christ, is the daily practice of mental prayer. That is the heart-to-heart -heart conversation with our best friend Jesus, ideally meditating his word, but you can also use icons, or there's, there's, the, there's the Lexio Divina with the word, there's the Visio Divina, where we can meditate on sacred icons, sacred images, right? But it is spending at least an hour a day alone with him who we know loves us, as St. Teresa of Jesus of Avila said. I'll repeat it again. I've said it eight million times. Who's gonna, someone wanna quote it for me? St. John of the Cross, last time I did this, guy's raised his hand, he's like, he said it. Anybody, anybody? For no other occupation leave aside mental prayer, which is the sustenance of the soul. St. Anthony spent all day in mental prayer. He had to balance it with 
physical labor. We who live active lives in the world have to balance our labor with serious mental prayer, quality Jesus time every day. That's a radical spiritual way of life. The world doesn't live that way, right? We can also be radical in our material, physical uh, uh, way of living. Uh, St. Anthony gave up everything. He owned nothing but a scrap that he wore. We need to understand the difference between wants and needs and live simply with what we need through fasting, radical eating. You know, the, real, the, the truth is actually we can really get by with a lot less food than we become used to. It really doesn't take that much to really be healthy and keep the, keep the, uh, the engines going, as it were, right? As St. As Athanasius said of St. Anthony, he ate but once a day. His food was bread, salt, and vegetables. His drink, water only. Meat and wine we need not even mention, for no such thing could be found with the other ascetics either. He was content to sleep on a rush mat or on the bare ground. He said young men, young men, he said young men should practice asceticism in real earnest and accustom the body to hard work. This is what brings joy. This is what brings long life. This is what brings peace. This radical, material, physical living through fasting, through almsgiving, giving sacrificially to the poor and to the church, surrounding ourselves with few things and living simply. Uh, chastity, living purity of mind and body, this radical dealing with what is physical, with our passions, with the passions for food, for sex, and for things, those first three great passions, right, of gluttony, lust, and greed. We can overcome those passions, following the example of St. Anthony by this radical way of living materially and physically. We can also live radically prophetically. That is, we can witness counterculturally. And um, how do I say this without being political? I do think that we are in for more persecution coming up, right? More and more over time. It just keeps growing. And I think we have to be prepared to witness to a counter culture, give a witness of a counter culture, right? That is for human life, for marriage, for the proper understanding of the human person made in the image and likeness of God, for the proper understanding of human sexuality against a radical materialism, right? We need to be prepared to be radically prophetic, and that is to be willing to be countercultural, like the monks were. Just because they lived 1,700 years ago doesn't mean there weren't people that were fabulously wealthy. St. Anthony came from a very wealthy, large landowning family. He gave it all up to put Jesus first. We can also live radically vocationally. There's no reason why you can't do what St. Anthony did. I chose the slacker vocation, which is being a parish priest, right? Pretty comfortable. But there are still monks and nuns out there. You can still choose to live the monastic life, the cenobitic life of poverty, chastity, and obedience. You can go sell everything you have give it to the poor, and then follow Jesus as a priest, as a monk, as a nun, as a religious. These lives exist today. You can do this. And you can find there, like St. Anthony did with the others, you can find happiness and joy and peace in community, living radical discipleship in your vocation. Think about it. Pray about it. Try it. 
you can even go and you don't have to you don't you don't have to go you can you can go try it out you know you don't have to go and uh, I think it's a little difficult these days with COVID I know there's issues with the monasteries but uh, visiting monasteries and retreat houses but uh, just because you you know there's always a period of discernment right but you can go and try it out for a while and see if see if it's if it's your vocation but lesson number three is Jesus calls us to a radical way of life spiritually materially prophetically and vocationally, and it's possible to live those ways. I mean, the saints have shown us for 2,000 years. This radical way of life, Saint Athanasius says this of St. Anthony, he had himself completely under control, a man guided by reason and stable in his character. He exhorted all to prefer nothing in the world to the love of Christ. He induced many to take up the monastic life and so monasteries sprung up in the mountains and the desert was populated with monks who left their own people and registered themselves for citizenship in heaven. Go back and study a history of the desert fathers and mothers. It's crazy in the fourth century of the church, the 300s later into the fifth century of the church, the deserts were filled with thousands of monks and nuns living these kinds of lives. No meat, no alcohol, bread, vegetables, water, peace, joy. Lesson number four, we can overcome any temptation, any demon with confidence in the power of God. As Saint Athanasius says about Saint Anthony, the devil, the hater and envier of good could not bear to see such resolution in a young man. Remember, uh, I remember uh, my former spiritual director, uh, now Auxiliary Bishop of Rome, Jesuit Father Daniel Libanotti, I remember taking uh, my Christendom College uh, students there to visit him in Rome on, when they were there a semester in Rome. And he's also an exorcist, one of the exorcists of the Diocese of Rome. And uh, the students would say, aren't you afraid of the devil? And he'd say, oh no, the devil's much more afraid of me than I am of him. He said that in total humility. And it's not because necessarily because he was a priest, although he does have power over demons as a priest. And it's not just because he was an exorcist who has power over demons as an exorcist, but it's because he had the power of Jesus Christ. He believed in the power of grace and that that power is greater than any demon. And that that's the first trick to conquering demons is say, you know what? I got Jesus. I, you, have no, you have no power over me, right? As a matter of fact, if there's one thing that the devils cannot stand is to be mocked. St. Thomas More said that, I believe. Uh, there's one thing the devil can't stand is if you make fun of him. Ha <laughs> ha, try it again. I, I got this. Jeez, I got this with Jesus, right? The devil would tempt St. Anthony by memory, right? And St. Saint, Saint, uh, Saint, um, Augustine writes about this too. One of the greatest temptations for him was memory. The devil uh, tempted him about thinking about his former wealth and what a great life he had on the farm, right? about his sister, his family, about food, about sex, right? As St. Athanasius says, quote, the devil put his trust in the weapons that are in the navel of his own belly, priding himself against these, for they are his choice snare against the young. That is the first two passions that the devils try, gluttony and lust. And remember, those two enemies tagged him against us. We have the passions of gluttony and lust within us, but then there's a demon of gluttony, there's a demon of lust, right? And that's uh, that's trick with the young. With the older, like me, it's other other things like anger and 
impatience and sadness and things. But with the young, it oftentimes the demons are focusing on gluttony and lust, right? Does that ring a bell, anyone? Don't raise any hands. Um, and how did Saint Anthony overcome these demons of gluttony and lust? Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Quote, Anthony would gird his body with his prayers and fasting. He filled his thoughts with Christ and thus quenched the growing coal of temptation. Unquote. Simple. Keep Jesus on the brain, Jesus in the forefront of our hearts, right? Quote, Nor did he grow weary of the contest, for the assistance given him from on high and the weakness of his enemies brought him great relief in his hardships and gave him the stamina for greater zeal. Note what St. Athanasius says, the weakness of his enemies. The demons are weak in front of the grace of God. As Psalm 23 says, you have set a table before me in the sight of my foes. My cup overflows. That's lesson number four. We can overcome any temptation, any demon with confidence in the power of God. Lesson number five, last lesson, and I'm running out of time. Last lesson is one day at a time. That's one of the slogans of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's very wise. One day at a time. Of course, it's rooted in the ancient spiritual tradition in Jesus himself. Do not worry about tomorrow, right? Today has troubles enough of its own. One day at a time. Quote, He gave no thought to the passage of time, but day by day, as though he were just beginning the ascetic life, made greater effort toward perfection. Beginning over each day, he would say, let us increase our zeal. Part of the uh, life of St. Anthony by St. Athanasius is he tells what St. Anthony did, and he tells his whole life, but there's also a whole section there where he, tell, he, he, he quotes a great teachings and lessons and speeches that St. Anthony gave in instructions to the monks. And these are some of the words from his instructions to the other monks. Beginning over each day, let us increase our zeal. My friends, the enemy of your human nature wants you to dwell on the past and the sorrows and the sins and the mistake and the wounds of the past. And he wants you to be anxious about the future, the impossibility of virtue, of living a lifetime for Christ, of, of really, 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 really living the commandments for your whole life, being faithful to the Lord. It seems overwhelming and impossible if you see what you've done in the past and you dwell on the future. Today is all you got. The past is dead. There's nothing you could do to change it. The future is uncertain. All you've got is today. Beginning over each day, let us increase our zeal. Right? And St. Anthony tells the monks, he teaches the monks, don't, don't think about the future. Don't think, there's no way I can live a whole life in the desert just eating like bread and water and vegetables and sleeping on the floor and praying all day. There's, there's no way I can do this for a lifetime. Just, you don't have to do it for a lifetime. You just have to do it for today. And then tomorrow you get up, just going to do it for today. One day at a time. Focus on each day as it comes. Again, the evil one wants us to dwell in the past and be anxious about the future, one day at a time. So, by way of review, lessons we can learn from the life of St. Anthony. Lesson number one, listen to God as he speaks to you through his inspired word. Don't be deaf to that word. Lesson number two, if you wish to be holy, hang out with and learn from holy people. Lesson number three, Jesus calls us to a radical way of life, and it's possible to live radically rooted in Jesus, spiritually, materially, prophetically, and vocationally. Lesson number four, we can overcome any temptation, any demon with the power of God. Lesson number five, one day at a time. And again, I recommend your reading here. It'd be a great thing for you to order and read for Lent. And it's not huge. It's not one of these massive, like, four-volume Life of Saints. 
Life of St. Anthony by St. Athanasius. If you're curious about, there's one particular uh, edition of it, which I highly recommend. I believe it's called Ancient Christian Authors. It's got a blue cover. If you need the specific reference, shoot me an email and I'll send you the reference, right? So I really recommend Life of St. Anthony by St. Athanasius. Desert Island book, no pun intended, right? Uh, so I got three minutes left. I'll tell you about the great grace I received. So uh, I was spending a summer internship in Egypt in the summer of 1999. And uh, so, all right, full disclosure, right? I was at the I was a in, uh, summer internship at the Vatican Embassy in in Egypt, which is extraordinary. It's, a, it's an Italian villa right along the Nile. It's one of the last private villas along the Nile. So I was not living the life of Saint Anthony. I can tell you that. But I had a great devotion to St. Anthony. I'd read the life a couple times, and I was bound and determined to get down to the cave. So um, the Archbishop and Papal Nuncio turned his driver over to me, and we went down and spent, we did a day trip down, I think it was about three, three and a half hour drive from Cairo to the Monastery of St. Anthony in the eastern desert of Egypt. Yes, I went in a white air-conditioned Mercedes. Okay, full disclosure, right? There's no love without truth. But I got there, toured the monastery, prayed at the monastery, and then I went up the mountain. So it, this was like midday in Egypt in August, right? But I was bound and determined to go up to the cave. So I drank water from the spring, again, 100 cubic meters of water, went up the mountain by myself. It was awesome. Got to the top, got to the top, and there's a big shelf, and there's the cave. And so I went into the cave, and I was going back into the back of the cave where there was a little shrine, and this is the cave where he lived and slept. But wasn't the cave full of Egyptian Christian teenagers that were there on a pilgrimage, you know? So I was like, all right, I'd love to play in the cave. And it was also a million degrees in the cave with all these teenagers in there. Uh, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to go back out, and I'm just going to sit on the ledge and pray. So I went out on the ledge, and there was a big stone there. I just kind of sat on the stone, and I looked out. Now, mind you, I don't know how many, I don't remember how many thousands of feet I had climbed, uh, in the middle of the heat in the in the desert in Egypt in the summer. Uh, but got to the top, sat on that stone. Teens were all in there. There, was, and there wasn't really many people around at all. It was, it was totally quiet. And as I looked out ahead of me, all I saw was desert. And in the distance on the right, I could see the Red Sea. And I received an extraordinary grace, which remains with me to this day, although I still haven't embraced it fully. Right, I'm a work in progress. I can't explain to you how I received an understanding and a grace from the Lord to realize that at that moment, in that place, I was absolutely and perfectly happy and that all I needed was bread and water. You see, as you see in the book of Exodus and you see in sacred scripture, the desert, along with the mountain, is one of the privileged places for, privileged places for encountering God because in the desert there is nothing it's just you and sand. And so there's God or there's not. And if there is God, then you're perfectly happy because it's just you and God, and all you need is bread and water, and you're good. I received one of the greatest moments of happiness in my life on that mountain, just looking out of the desert thinking, God, all I need is bread and water, and I'm perfectly happy with you. That was a grace granted me by the intercession of St. Athanasius. So, uh, I'm sorry, St. Anthony the Great. So um, read his life, learn from him, follow his example, Pray to him. He'll pray for you. And uh, begin again every day together. Let us do it. Amen.